Today is a tough day for me. October 1st, the one-year anniversary of the worst mass shooting tragedy that our country's ever seen. I was down there uh, at the uh, Route 91 festival and uh, 10 minutes of an active shooter from 32 stories up. 10 minutes of bullets raining down on a crowd of 22,000 people. 10 minutes of hell. 58 people died. And over 800 were injured. Those 10 minutes of hell impacted a lot of people in a lot of different ways. The families of the 58 killed. Those families having to figure out how to go on with their lives without that loved one. Killed in such an in, insanely um, intense amount of hate for no reason. So today on October 1st, I, I want you to remember things like that because our country has seen so much tragedy in the last recent years. So much hate and inexplicable anger. But I want you to remember that in those events, I talk about the one October shooting in Las Vegas because I was personally involved in that. But the, these, these tragedies occur all over the world all the time. We need to keep those affected at the center of our focus uh, on days like today. And we need to remember the people that were there that stepped up to help each other. Fred Rogers, you know, the classic Mr. Rogers, uh, at least from when I was growing up, I'm, I always remember, you know, he would always talk about his mom telling him as a kid that in times of tragedy, look for the helpers because they're there and there's a lot more of them than there are of the evil. So one shooter for 10 minutes on October 1st, shooting from the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay Hotel. For 10 minutes, just that one person had so much hate in his heart for so many reasons that we'll never know and we'll never be able to understand. And yet, we had hundreds or perhaps thousands of people on the ground that stepped up and helped each other. There were people using pickup truck beds, taxi cabs, Ubers, anything they could get to get people to the hospital because there simply were not enough ambulances and paramedics. There simply were not enough that were supposed to be helping and were helping. Everybody else that was there that stepped up deserves the same level of credit or the same level of respect as those who wear a badge or an EMT uniform. Or a firefighter uniform. 
It's those types of tragedies that breed heroes. Heroes are born during those moments of chaos. And a lot of times, a lot of those heroes were just normal people that happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Or maybe they were at the right place at the exact right moment. And they saved lives. And we have to always remember things like that. We have to remember people like that while there are thousands and thousands of people running for their lives there are hundreds more running into that danger zone to help those that couldn't get out get themselves out in those sights and images of pain and death are permanently burned into my mind and my memory but there's other images that are burned into my mind and memory, and it's those images of courage and heroism. Never forget those types of people. None of those people that were there that night expected that to happen, obviously. That's why life is so precious it is a precious gift every moment every day and I've talked about this before you need to tell your loved ones how you feel about them you need to thank them for being who they are you need to appreciate what you have because at a moment's notice any of them could have been at this concert or at any other number of sites of mass tragedy. Any of them could have been there and not gotten out. Any of us could have. I was there. There was a chance I could have not gotten out. You need to express those feelings of gratitude to the people that mean the most to you because the reason they mean something to you is not because of the way that they die, but because of the way they lived. Those 58 families that lost someone at the Las Vegas Village one year ago today probably woke up the next morning wishing that they had more time. So many of those victims were very, very young. 20s. I think the youngest victim was 20 years old. And a majority of them were young people. Always, always remember that life is a gift. Each day is a gift. And on days like these, whether you're religious or not, think about these things, thoughts, prayers, 
If you know someone personally affected, reach out. Sometimes just a simple, how are you doing? Are you okay? Can make a huge, huge difference. Just a simple, I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about you on this day. I'm thinking about you because I know you're still bothered. I barely slept at all last night just thinking about what today was and what happened a year ago today. I had a hard time yesterday because I was thinking about the fact that even though it was September 30th, it was technically 52 weeks to the day. This incident occurred on a Sunday. So the one-year hour-for-hour mark was actually yesterday on September 30th. Today's October 1st, 2018, so this is what's recognized as that anniversary, so today will be just as hard. Keep those things in mind. Be there for one another. After October 1st last year, I saw such an amazing outpour of love and support. I talked about the heroic acts down there in the moments that followed the shooting. And for the next few hours, the heroes that worked in the hospitals and worked frantically and tirelessly for hours trying to stabilize as many people as they could and save as many lives as they could. The police officers on scene along with the firefighters and, and paramedics and EMTs trying to get as many of those people as they can to those hospitals, to those life-saving doctors. But don't forget also the days that followed. The city of Las Vegas, the entire Las Vegas Valley, this community changed I saw it when I moved here in 2013 this had a very big city feel to it but after October 1st when I woke up on the morning of October 2nd when I when I um you know in the the the, the following days I saw how small town Las Vegas really can be and how we, as a community, everyone stepped up. Billboards changed. Radio commercials and talk shows on the radio were, were all about this incident. There was, it was such an indescribable support from within our own community. And then when you take to Facebook and you look on social media or you look on the news... And suddenly you realize the entire nation was looking at Las Vegas. The entire world, even. It didn't matter if you were from Australia or Europe or South America. People all over this world have heart. Regardless of 
background, what walk of life you come from, what profession you do. Humanity is humanity. And I never saw it like I did on those following days. I never saw humanity in such a light to realize what the human race is capable of in reaching out for each other and supporting each other. Maybe I had seen it in other incidents of mass tragedy, but I saw a unique light this time because I felt personally attached to this tragedy. I can remember a bunch of active shooter situations. I can remember 9-11. I was in Wisconsin on 9-11 and I was in seventh grade classroom and I, I can remember the outpouring of love that the nation showed to New York and Washington and Pennsylvania. The outpouring of support from our nation and from the entire world, but having not been personally tied to that incident, I didn't see it the same way as I see this day, October 1st. Takes my breath away You fall like rain Cover us in drops of pain I'm afraid that we just might drown Dear head Will you sure are colorblind? Your kiss is the cruelest kind Poison any mind Just look at mine Don't know how this world Keeps spinning
anything terrible ever happened to you? It's a simple question. Has your life sucked? Tell her the truth. There is no truth. Drag out her story. Maybe all we've done is make a girl cry. She's talking about what happened. That's huge. Welcome to Third Degree Mind. Here we are again for the first time and Jesus, I don't Jesus, I don't even know. Uh, two months maybe. Month, month and a half. Too long. As we've talked about the last couple times, one of the hardest things for me is to find time that I can dedicate to producing this podcast that I I truly love doing and and I always, the last couple episodes I've told you, hey, I'm not just going to disappear. I'm not just going to stop putting episodes out. But unfortunately, it, it, it gets, it becomes unpredictable with when I will have the time to do this. I've been traveling a lot lately. I did a, a two-week long bike trip, 4,000 miles on my motorcycle, uh, from Las Vegas to Milwaukee uh, and then back for Harley Davidson, uh, Harley Davidson's 115th anniversary. So I traveled for that. I was gone two weeks. I've been back a little while, but work's been crazy. I've been dealing with nonstop, uh, nonstop parenting. (laughs) My three-year-old's going through that potty training phase still. She's getting she's getting really good at it, um, <clears throat> but sorry, I still have a little bit of a cold. She's getting really good at it, but she's a uh, you know obviously not a hundred percent consistent. And I still have to remind her, you know, hey, do you have to go to the bathroom or whatever? But she's doing she's coming along really really well. She just turned three in August, so she's she's not like super old yet to where she needs to needs to be 100% potty trained but she's been doing good uh and she and I are going back we're flying to Wisconsin uh this week we're leaving on Wednesday we'll be gone gone a week going back for a wedding so just feels like a lot of a lot of traveling when I so I'll be gone a week and then I'll be back here in Vegas for about a week and a half and then I'll be leaving again i'm going on another motorcycle trip uh out to uh, a couple national parks in california we're gonna check out death valley 
uh, Yosemite, Sequoia. So we're going on a little, I think we're planning five days, five-day motorcycle ride with a, a friend of mine. That friend is uh is he's he's been a good friend for a long time. He uh he and I we've known each other about maybe a year and a half, close to two years, but we started becoming really good friends this time last year. Alright, so I talked about you know, my my involvement with the uh the one October shooting and after that had settled well, after after it was over, I had to work twelve hour shifts for every day for about a week. After that, they they mobilized uh, uh, my entire agency, so I, I had to work long long hours. And and when that was done, I ended up uh, I I don't even know how to describe this. When I ended up getting time away from work again after the dust had settled from the Route 91 tragedy. I told this friend, I just said, I need to get out of Las Vegas. I, I, I've i seen too much in Vegas and I'm just overwhelmed. I, I need to get away. And so he and I went on a, a little weekend motorcycle trip, you know, two days. I think it was, yeah, I think it was just two days. We left Vegas and we rode out to the Grand Canyon Spent some time there. Gorgeous, gorgeous views. Being out in nature. Spent the night out there at the Grand Canyon. Then the next day we came back. Just a real quick two two day trip, but that was exactly what I needed. And and now, now you know this week I I kind of feel the same way that I just I just don't want to be around Las Vegas. And so I told him, hey, let's do another uh, little motorcycle trip and. So so he and I are going to ride out through uh, through California and a couple national parks uh, up in California just to get away from town. Unfortunately, our schedules the way our schedules worked out with me leaving town for this for this wedding this next week, we weren't able to do this our little bike trip until uh, the end of October, but that's 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 all right. It'll it'll still be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. But I guess the point of all this is it's it's still difficult for me to sit down once a week and, and make a podcast. There's a lot of work associated with, with producing one of these. And so I, I, I do the best, I do the best I can. I, I hope, I hope that you all bear with me. I hope that you still enjoy listening. I hope that you still follow and you still get the notifications, you know, Oh, it's been six weeks, but here's a new episode or whatever. Follow me on Facebook third degree mind look us up on the uh, apple itunes store you can subscribe there that way you'll get notification you'll get uh, notifications for for new new episodes that come out and this one you know today i don't i'll be honest i don't i don't really have a ton of stuff to talk about with you today because i didn't really do the necessary preparation work for producing this week i i didn't i didn't think over the last couple of days about what topics to talk about. And, you know, it's, I usually try to shoot for about an hour long and, and I try to make it somewhat relevant or, you know, at least interesting, something that might be worth listening to. And 
but that takes time to come up with those topics and to think about it and to, to lay it out in some type of a logical outline and, and stuff like that. I, I start thinking about that usually a couple days in advance when I know, hey, I'm going to be recording on Saturday. Today's Thursday. Let me start thinking the next two days about what I want to talk about and what I want to do. Well, I didn't do that this time. So, so, so why, why am I, why am I here, I guess? Uh, well, I wanted, I'm, I wanted to come back because I'm going to be gone another week. I got in uh, a couple messages the last couple days, just from uh, from some of the uh, some of the listeners, some of you guys, just saying that you know, still listening, still like hearing what's going on. I like you know people that like the podcast, and I I appreciate that. So even if I don't have a ton to talk about, uh, I still want to make something, because I don't want people to think that I just gave up on this, or I just abandoned this project, because that's certainly not the case, still alive and well, still love doing this podcast, as always, if you want to reach out, the easiest way to do that is on the Facebook page, send me a message, Third Degree Mind on the Facebook page, or if you prefer simple email borderline 750 at gmail.com that's borderline 750 at gmail.com one of my uncles was in town from wisconsin uh he came out here to vegas uh last week he was out he spent a week out here with me and this this particular uncle his name his name's phil and Phil and I, and, and all my cousins, you know, we, I, I remember growing up and he was, for lack of a better term, the fun uncle. Shortly after I was born, he got divorced from his first wife. And throughout most of my childhood, he was just single. He was the fun uncle. He loved, he loved me and all of my cousins, and we loved him. We had so much fun with him. He was, you know, he's always funny. He's a, he was always upbeat, and he was the, you know, the the bachelor in his thirties, which to a little kid that doesn't really mean anything. But you know, he was unique because of the fact that he didn't have his own family, so he treated my family, which was. You know, my my mom, who was his sister, he treated us like his own kids in a lot of ways. But like I said, he was always that fun uncle. I remember one story uh, way back when. Uh, he took, he took uh, me and I think one of my sisters when I was little out to uh, like an IHOP, some type of breakfast restaurant or whatever, and whatever, somebody got waffles or pancakes or something that involved syrup. And he had, he would be entertained so much by making us do crazy things and and paying us to do it, you know. This little eight-year-old kid or whatever, here, I'll give you 25 cents if you do this or you do that. And so I remember this story, excuse me. So I remember at this IHOP, uh, I had syrup, 
And I, you know, I didn't use it all in the cup, the little cup they brought. And so he offers, he says, I'll give you 25 cents if you drink that syrup into an eight-year-old or whatever I was. I was like, oh, hell yeah, I will. So I sat there and I drank the whole thing of syrup. And, and to this day, you know, 20 years later, that's just, it's it's a funny story. It, and we always, we always talk about it and... Um, that was, that was the type of relationship that, uh, we had. There was one time where I was over at his house. It, uh, I, I don't remember the, the details here too much, but I remember I was over at his house and, and there was a dead bird on his, uh, on his back patio, like right outside the slider door to go out into the backyard. And he just, he just couldn't stand it. He was super grossed out by it. Yes, so he goes up to his nephew, comes up to me, however old I was, 10 or whatever, and he says, hey, I'll pay you $5 if you move that dead bird and throw it in the trash for me. And I was like, really? And I was like, I don't I don't understand what that's a big deal. And he's like, well, I don't, I just, he's like, I can't, I can't stand it. And if, if, if you get rid of it, then I'll pay you to do it. And I was like, well, that's, that's easy job. It's easy five bucks for me. Sure. And, uh, Especially since he was, he gave me like the trash bin that he wanted me to throw it in. We put the bag in it, and whatnot. Uh, he gave me a shovel to scoop it up with, uh, so I didn't even have to touch it. You know, it was, it was to, to me, it was nothing. But again, that's just the type of relationship that uh, that we had, uh, and he and he would do those types of things for for all of us. Well, when I was in high school, he met someone. And, uh, they ended up, you know, they dated and they ended up getting married and this was, I don't know, 2004, something around there, 2003, 2004. So they get married and seemed to be, you know, this amazing, happy couple. She had two kids from a previous marriage, you know, they were both previously married. So, uh, she had she had two kids from that from that past marriage but the two of them never had kids of their own and then about two years ago so they were together I don't know I want to say they were to I want to say they were married 12 years something like that oh they get they got divorced and I'm not a hundred percent sure on all the reasons associated with that you know not not really my business but as far as I gathered from my uncle and what he did share was that there was just a lot of resentment between the two of them that I guess when they got married, they got married with the understanding that they wanted kids. And then my uncle, when when Phil looked at the way that she interacted with her kids and the way that her kids behaved and what it was like to have kids in your house, I think my uncle changed his mind. More or less, I think that's what happened. And I think she, over time, resented him for that. And she ended up, you know, pulling the pin at one time over that. And, you know, lack of being on the same page, I guess, for lack of a better term. I don't know. And and that's essentially what happened. And that was two years ago. And ever since then, every time I go home and I spend time with with Phil and, you know, sitting at a bar or whatever, going over to his house and just shooting the shit with him. And ever since then, whenever the topic would come up, I would just feel so, so bad that he's, you know, he's now in his 50s and he's been divorced twice. 
and just hearing him talk, he sounds so broken from it. And how could you not be? Divorce is one of those things that just just shatters you to your to your core, you know? If you've been divorced or you know people who have or maybe you grew up in a divorced household going back and forth between mom and dad and you can you can see it and you see what divorce does to people and going through two divorces in your adult life, you know, 20 years apart or whatever that was. That's that's just got to be difficult. So anyways, he's out here in Vegas, and we were drinking out in my backyard, sitting around a fire, and he was just talking, and, you know, it just, it breaks my heart to listen, knowing that I've been divorced too, and I understand a, a lot of the pain to, you know, to a different to a different level or, or whatever, you know, everybody experiences it differently or every divorce is, is unique. But it, but hearing him talk like that, uh, you know, that in his mind that she's already over it and she's moved on because she was checked out of the marriage well before they pulled the pin. So it was easier for her to move on and he just... He just can't, he just can't move on and he can't get over the fact that he lost her and he has no kids. He has basically no social life now because even, you know, those of us that he treated like kids back in the day, that he treated like his own kids, me and my cousins, all of us are grown. A lot of us have moved away. He hates his job. He's just, it just seems like such a dark place in life. And there's nothing that I can do. And it's just a helpless feeling. It's a, it's, it's an incredibly helpless feeling for me to see someone that I love in that situation, knowing that I've been through similar struggles with my own with my own one divorce. But, you know, he always, you know, he, he points out to me that as young as I am, I could find someone else yet or whatever. And I mean, I've talked about that on this program before that I don't, I don't personally believe that I will, but it could happen. I'm about the same age my uncle was the first time he got divorced. And, and then I look at his his life where he is now and and I it's almost an encouragement to not get remarried and he says now that he won't he won't get married a third time and and who knows maybe that'll change you know there's there's no way to know the future but when I hear him talk I I believe it and I it's it's I don't know how to describe it it's it's a guilt and a helplessness inside of yourself that you see someone that you love in pain and you don't know what to do for them. And I told him that and his response to me is something I'll, you know, I'll, I'll always consider and I'll always remember. I'll always keep it in my mind because he said back to me, he said, you know, 
There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that anyone can do. There's nothing that he can do. But sometimes just just having someone to sit around a fire, drink a beer, and talk, invent, helps a lot. And so the reason I tell that story is not because I want to get into the pain of divorce or the pain of hating your job or because everybody's demons are unique to them. You might have demons about uh, similar to what my Uncle Phil has. You might have demons similar to what I have. I've heard of various parts of my own life story over over the last six months of listening to this podcast. Actually, shit, it's been eight months. I started this in February. Where we are in October. We're coming up on eight months of Third Degree Mind. You've heard bits and pieces of my life. You know parts about me that a lot of my actual friends that I talk to probably don't know because I don't talk about this stuff with someone else. You know, I've even talked about that, that right now I'm sitting in an empty room talking into a microphone attached to my computer and just recording it. I don't talk to people face-to-face the same way that I talk to you on Third Degree Mind. But sometimes the key is talking. So no matter your demons, you got to remember that sometimes. There may not be anything that you can do to fix whatever situation you're in. There may not be anything that any of your friends can do to help you fix that situation or resolve those demons. Sometimes we call them demons because they're there forever. They're there with you. They're a part of your soul. But that doesn't mean that having a beer, sitting around a fire at 2 o'clock in the morning and talking to someone that's close to you and telling them how you feel. Again, not from the perspective that, hey, we're going to solve this and by the end of the night I'm going to feel better about being divorced. Not like that. Just simply venting and, and airing, airing out what you feel, airing out what's inside your mind. That can be so, so helpful. When I went through my divorce, which was one of my darkest times, <clears throat> I, I remember similar experience. You know, I remember sitting down in my living room in the dark, you know, not even enough energy to stand up and turn on a light. Just, just tired, emotionally exhausted. And that led to that physical exhaustion where I just wanted to sit there. And how lonely I was. And even though there was no solving my broken marriage, just having someone to sit there with me, even if we didn't talk, just having someone to sit there with me could have been beneficial. In fact, I know it would have been because as time went on and I started to do that, that's what helped me started. That's what helped me start to heal. And it's a process. I've been, this upcoming January will be four years that I've been alone, that I've been single. I don't miss my ex-wife to the point that I want to still be married to her. But I miss the companionship that comes with a marriage. 
I miss having someone close to you that you're in love with. I don't miss her specifically. I can't stand her as a person now. The way she treats me now, the way she talks now, that's all completely different. The person I was married to essentially is dead. She's such a different person now. And if you've been through that, you could probably can understand that, that the pain of divorce a lot of times is, is a pain of, of loss. It's similar to losing a loved one in death. That's just how it, how it feels. But no matter what you're going through, you should never sit alone. That opening, opening segment there, that opening segment that I play, uh, that I played right after the song in the beginning of this episode, you know, that's been our opener for a little while. And I think I talked about it, you know, it's from a, it's from a house episode. The girl was raped and some of the doctors are discussing at the end of the episode, whether making her talk about it was beneficial. The one doctor thinks, well, maybe all we did is make her make a girl cry. And the other doctors are saying, no, she's talking about it. That's huge. That's the first step in healing. And so that's what I want you to remember. I want you to remember that for yourself. And I want you to remember it for those that are close to you. That we may not know the demons that our loved ones are experiencing. We may not know what they're feeling or what they're thinking. We may not know what they need from us or what they want from us. There may be a solution, there may not be. But regardless of those factors, they need you sometimes. They might need to vent. And it might not be a, hey, let me ask you for advice. Maybe they don't want your advice. Maybe they just want to tell you what they're thinking. One of my biggest pet peeves when I'm talking to a friend or whoever, and maybe this is why I do the podcast, one of my biggest annoyances and pet peeves are when they start talking back at me and they are not saying anything that's helpful. So they they start to throw advice at me. I think you should do this. I think you should try this. Have you tried this? When I'm not asking for advice, they don't want that advice in that moment. That's not what I need. I'm not. Don't be that one that gives that unsolicited advice. Be a listener. Because I know for me, when as soon as I start getting that unsolicited advice, or another example when when they start trying to tell you something about their life that they think relates to what you're going through and you're listening and you're like, that's not the same situation at all. Like, for example, when I was telling a while ago, I was telling a coworker about the pain of a custody battle over your child. And rather than listening to what I was telling him, he started telling me about his divorce, which didn't even include kids. 
And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, maybe you have pain of divorce too, because every divorce is painful. I get that. I've been there. I've done that. I know that that's painful. We can relate on that level, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a custody battle. I'm talking about my relationship with my kids, not my relationship with my ex. So don't give the unsolicited advice and don't try to interject your own story or adapt your own story to try to tell them that you know how they're feeling. Sometimes when I'm telling someone how I'm feeling, I don't want them to sit there and say, I know how you're feeling because I did X, Y, Z. You don't know how I'm feeling and that's why I'm telling you because I know you don't know. So don't act like you do know. Don't act like you know something when I'm trying to tell you what you don't know. That's why I'm venting. So when you're being that friend, be that supporting friend. If they want you to listen, just listen. Just acknowledge their pain. Just recognize that what they're going through is hard for them. Even if you're thinking in your mind, this is ridiculous or this is nothing. Be that friend because when you're in those dark places, that's what you want. You want someone to sit there and listen. You want someone to be the shoulder to cry on or to give you the hug. Sometimes sometimes you just want a hug. And you don't want someone to sit there and tell you to go talk to someone and find a therapist and that. You know, I talked about my experience with October 1st and for a year, I've, I've hardly told anyone specifically what I saw and what I did. I just, I can't, I haven't really been able to bring myself to talk about it. I have in a few settings. I have. Sometimes it's worthwhile, sometimes it's not. But it's, I can promise you that it's not worthwhile, and I immediately shut down as soon as someone says, well, if you're still having trouble sleeping, you need to go talk to someone. That's what I'm trying to do with you right now. I'm trying to talk with you. I chose you to talk to. And you're going to brush me aside and tell me to go talk to someone else? Who, a professional? Some professional psychiatrist that I've never met before in my life? And, have, and has probably never experienced any level of trauma or tragedy to that magnitude in their own personal lives, and yet they're going to tell me what I need to do? No, thank you. You're my friend. You're my family member. You're the person I chose to talk to. So for the love of God, can you just listen? Listen. Be that friend. Be that friend. Don't give that unsolicited advice. And don't tell them. Don't tell them about your own life or your own experiences or your own thoughts. Try to understand what they're saying. We call that active listening. You know, ask clarifying questions. Ask them how that makes them feel. Ask them what they think about that. Ask them what they need from you. But don't give them that unsolicited advice. If they ask you, that's different. If they ask you, what, what do you think I should do? But what do you think I should do is different than I don't know what to do. 
Because I'll sit there sometimes and say, I don't know what to do. That doesn't always mean that I'm asking you for your opinion. And if you give me an opinion, especially an opinion that I'm not going to agree with, all I'm going to do is shut down. The wall goes right back up. It's been a year since October 1st, and I've talked to very, very few people about it. That wall might come down on very, very rare occasion, and I'll open up to someone about it. But as soon as they start telling me that I need to go talk to someone, that wall goes right back up. Because I'm trying to talk to someone. I'm trying to talk to you. Just be a friend. That's all I can ask. Just be a friend. I want to play something for you real quick, and then we're going to wrap this up. Uh, this is a... Uh, uh, I don't know how to describe it. This is... This is something uh, that I found on YouTube a while ago that uh, anytime there's that I'm thinking about these types of incidents like October 1st or whatever, you know, these, these mass shootings, mass tragedies, and I think about the first responders that handle those things. And so I found this on YouTube a while ago that... Uh, it's 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 an open letter from the community to police police officers and and it's it's super super touching. I every time I listen to it, I kind of tear up. And, and so I, on this day, but on every day, I want you to remember that there's people out there that that serve our communities. You know, the police officers, the firefighters, the the paramedics, the doctors, the nurses, all these people that that serve our community in different ways and and you got to remember that those people are out there and those people are doing a tough job. They're doing a tough job so that we can sleep at home soundly with our families. They're out there protecting us. we got to remember that. So I'm going to play this for you real quick, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Dear officer, I want you to know that I see you. I see you choose the booth and the restaurant that allows you to have your back against the wall. I see you pulled over two hours past your shift as you finish your reports under a streetlight. I see you as you direct traffic in the scorching heat, the gusting snow, and the downpour of rain. I see you as you watch mainstream media crucify your character while minimizing your cause. I see that you are tired, frustrated, and misunderstood. I see that you are hurting as the world watches you bury your brothers and sisters that died because they were guilty of one thing, wearing a uniform with a badge. I see you. I see that you are flesh and bones just like me. I see your cause and I want you to know that I appreciate it. I hear you. I hear the sound of the garage door open after a long night of consistent tragedy. I hear the sounds of your heavy footsteps and I can instantly tell what kind of day it has been for you. I hear the sound of your duty belt hit the kitchen table as you relieve your back from the 30 extra pounds you've been carrying all day. I recognize the sound of Velcro as you unstrap your body armor and your work boots. I hear the sound of your little boy's bedroom door open as you enter his room. I hear the sound of you kissing his cheek and whispering that you love him. 
hear the sound of your heartbeat as you choose not to share your day because you know that it will only scare me. And even though you do not speak, I still hear you. I still know that something happened on your shift that has broken your heart. I feel you. I feel the difference in the way you hug me before you leave to go to the grocery store and the way you hug me before you leave for one more night on your beat. I feel the grip of your hand as they wheel you back to surgery to fix an injury you have sustained on the job. I feel the wetness of your tears as you try to make sense of the tiny life that was taken by the hands of her parents. I feel the sigh of relief when you see your little boy running towards you after you've experienced too much darkness in the world. I feel the sinking of your morale as you watch a very vocal and sparse opposition flood social media with their misplaced passion for their idea of justice. I feel the way you look at me as you read that one more of your brothers or sisters have fallen victim to a hate crime. We both know it could have been you. I need you. We need you. I know the world is making you feel like the only allies you have can be found in each other. I know that it is becoming increasingly more difficult for you to put your life on the line for a world that has seemingly turned their backs on you. But I also know that won't stop you. What the world seems to forget is that you don't suit up every day for their approval. God knows you don't do it for the money. You do it because it's your calling. You do it because you believe that you can help goodness persevere in the face of evil. You've chosen to be a warrior. And warriors don't hang up their hats because of the opinion of someone else. I wish I knew how to fix it. The only thing I know how to do is support you. I'm aware that there isn't a magic solution that will make the world see you for who you are. I just want you to know that I see you. I need you to know that you are appreciated by a vast majority who is in your corner. You are honorable. You are courageous. You are worthy of a nation's support. We see you. We hear you. We love you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for getting up one more day to protect my family. You are undeniably my heroes. I tear up like every time I hear that. It's The words are just incredibly powerful and very well stated. So today I want you to remember those types of people and the way that they serve the communities that they work in. Now I want you to remember your friends. If they're going through a hard time, I want you to be that friend for them. And if you need a friend, I want you to find one. Find someone to talk to. It could be a Facebook message to me on the Third Degree Mind Facebook page. I will answer. Find someone. And when you, someone needs you to be that someone be that friend thank you for supporting third degree mind thank you for listening and i'll talk to you guys again real soon dear community 
We want you to know that we see you too. We know that the overwhelming majority of you support us, but there is a small group that does not. Like you, we hear all the negative comments on television and social media. To take them at face value would be to accept their characterization of us. We do not. We go to work every day, regardless of likes or what's trending. Worrying about such things is not our job. When you call 911, we answer the call. We don't ask how you vote, what color you are, what God you pray to, or what country you were born in. We answer the radio and respond to the call. No questions asked. We know that evil will triumph if good people sit idly by and do nothing. We have chosen to stand. Our main objective is to resolve disputes peacefully. After all, that's what we do. No one ever calls us when things are good. There is always a dispute to resolve. We know that there will be times where despite all of our efforts, there will be no peaceful resolution. When that call comes, we stand ready. We will stand between you and evil. We will do whatever it takes to protect you and ourselves from those who are determined to do harm. We know that there will be times where mistakes are made. We are, after all, human, just like you. And as such, we will be held accountable for our mistakes, just like you. Mainstream media and social networking had the luxury of being able to rush to judgment before all the facts are known, and they do so on a regular basis. But as we have been shown time and again, the rush judgment is rarely the correct one. We want you to know that we hold ourselves to a higher standard. We will not cover up, disguise, or conceal the truth, for we are truth seekers, regardless of who the truth benefits or harms. We know that there is a price for the choices we have made. We know that we will lose some of our brothers and sisters to this job. We know all too well the pain and sorrow of having to say farewell to one of our own. But it is in our hours of despair that you have shown us how much you care. You say kind words to us. You stand alongside the road holding signs, hands over your hearts, paying respect to a hero that you have probably never met. All you know is that they made the ultimate sacrifice for you. You support the families of our fallen. You show us that one of ours is indeed one of yours and that they did not give their life in vain. You will never know how much it means to us. You are our brothers, our sisters, our fathers, our mothers, our husbands, our wives. You are our community, our home. Without your support, the job we do would have little meaning and even less impact on our world. We know that we can never fix all of our problems or prevent all bad things from happening, but together we can make a difference. We are grateful. We are humbled. We see you too. Hey, it's Jay, creator and host of Third Degree Mind Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I wanted to close really quick by reminding you that Third Degree Mind is produced primarily for entertainment purposes and is not intended to treat or diagnose any mental illness and is not intended to replace clinical psychiatry. I am not a licensed therapist or physician, so if you feel that you need mental health treatment, please always seek that appropriate care in your area. If you're feeling actively suicidal, please call 911 or take yourself to an emergency room. If you're in the U.S., you can contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline 24-7 at one 800 273-8255 or contact them using their online chat service at suicidepreventionlifeline.org and once again they are available 24-7